Today's one of those days, I know none of y'all have these days, but uh, I'm a little discombobulated, okay? <laughs> if you don't know what that word means, it just means in a fog. I don't know why. I do know why. I, the Lord showed me why a minute ago. And it's, it has less to do with me than what I've got to do today. And so uh, I'll explain that in a minute. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a message this morning that I have shared countless times. It's not the same message, so don't turn me off yet. But uh, it's a message I'm going to keep preaching until we get it, okay? <laughs> Fair enough? Okay, I mean, that's, I'm going to preach it loud and hard today just for that, okay? <laughs> it's good. It's not a bad thing, okay? No, I, and it... And if, if y'all be honest, I have preached one sermon since we planted this church on tithing. So it, you, can't, you can't talk to me about that. No, but I am going to preach on something that I've preached on. And the passages I've shared with you are, are n- not passages that you're unfamiliar with. But uh, I, I, I just don't think the enemy wants me to preach it today. So he's, he's, he's sent the fog and... Uh, I, I got to tell you, man, that last song we worshipped on, the fog started to evaporate, and uh, my head started to clear, and so I'm, I'm going to go, and listen, if I say something stupid that makes absolutely no sense, you know, you chuck that off to, I'm still in a little bit of a fog, or, you know, if you're here every Sunday, I say things like that all the time, so it's no big deal, but this morning we're going to, we've, we've been in a, a series for uh, for 14 weeks, this is our 15th week, we're, we're going to finish today, this is the last uh, this is the last sermon in this series, and we've we've been in a series called Explosion, becoming a radical church in a hostile culture, and we've looked at a passage that's found in Acts chapter two. We've been looking at that very first church, that early church in Jerusalem, and we've looked at uh, for for fourteen weeks at Acts chapter two, verse forty two through forty seven. We've looked at at. You know, some principles really is what we've done. We've looked at some principles. We've looked at what I think are God's original and, and literally His only blueprint for, for a church becoming a radical church. And, and we live in a hostile culture. I don't know if you realize this, but the culture we live in is no different than the culture that this early church lived in. They, they were not... They were not uh, the, the group that everybody wanted to be a part of. In fact, they were kind of the fringe bunch. And so uh, th- this, this church uh, understood that, 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 you know, the religious world didn't like them. The, rich, the, the, the religious folks, you know, wanted them to be shut up, wanted them to be uh, smashed and, and put out of business, but they realized that they had a message that Jesus had given them. And so they listened to God. Now I want you to remember, I hope you remember this, radical does not mean uh, what most people think radical means. Radical literally means back to the roots. It means to go back to the original. And that's what we've been doing. We've been going back and we've been looking at this passage of Scripture to find out what the original church did that made it so successful. And we've spent a long time on it and we've dug deep into the blueprint and we've, we've, I've, I've, I've given you 12 characteristics or principles that were present in that church that resulted in, in a sustained spiritual growth, but also in a sustained numerical growth 
the early church was not a static, sterile organization. It was a living, growing organism. And, and this church was devoted to some things. And I'm going to remind you of these, and then we're going to move on, because there, there's something I want to get to this morning that's the key to this success. They, they were devoted to the, to the apostolic teaching, the, 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 the biblical teaching. They were, they were uh, devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to, to celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, to, they were devoted to prayer and to the fear of the Lord. They, their signs and wonders were a part of their, their ministry. They were a generous church. We looked at that uh, several weeks ago. They also they had corporate meetings and they had small group meetings. They didn't just meet one day a week. They met all during the week, all over Jerusalem. I mean, when, when you have a church of 3,000, 120 after the first day, they outgrew their space. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Y'all understand what I'm saying? They didn't have a building. They were, they were meeting uh, corporately. They were meeting there on Solomon's portico at, at the edge of the temple, in the temple surround. But as they met in homes, they could only get so many people in a little Jewish house. And so they met all over the city. They, they were also filled with joy and sincerity. They were the real deal. When people listened to the message they were, they were giving, they saw that message lived out in their lives. They were a praising and a worshiping church. I mean, that, that's, that just that captured the heart of people. They were a church that enjoyed favor, and we talked about this. The community and at large uh, held them with, in high esteem with great respect. And, and then God blessed them day by day with those who were being saved, with continual growth. And so th- 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 those were the principles that they, they lived under. But if there hadn't been an explosion, there wouldn't have been a body. Okay? This is not what grew the church. This is their obedience to God's plan. There was something else that took place, and it took place that day on the day of Pentecost. There was an explosion that took place when the Holy Spirit came. We're going to talk about that a little bit. You know, I learned in, 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 in construction that, that blueprints are crucial. You have to go by the blueprints, okay? If you don't, you get in trouble. It costs you a great deal of money. Uh, you, you, you just have problems. Principles are important in life. Blueprints are important. But those things have to flow out of a church. They have to flow out of a body. They have to flow out of a people who have been baptized in or filled with the Holy Spirit. They, the, the Holy Spirit came as a person, but He also brought His power with Him. And there was an explosion. I mean, literally, th- those, th- those disciples were activated. They were empowered. There's not a person in this room, in this body, there's not a person in any other body across this world that can take these 12 principles that we've talked about and in and of themselves sustain them, even if they've got a tenacious willpower, if they've got great church programs, if they've got charismatic personalities. These things just won't happen without the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't work, okay? We're looking at 2,000 years of trying to make it work. Without the Holy Spirit, it won't work, okay? I'm just, I just preached my whole message right there. If you want to go to sleep now, it'd be fine. I'm just saying we have tried our best to make these things work, 
And without the empowerment and the presence of the Holy Spirit, they just won't work. We've tried to, we've tried to claim the presence without the empowerment. Listen, the Holy Spirit didn't half come on Pentecost. He came fully. That's why that upper room exploded. You remember our definition of explosion? It's when a tremendous amount of energy is poured in a teeny tiny space. That upper room, those, those, those 120 that were gathered there, they could not contain the infinite power of God. And it just it blew them out of there. And it blew them out into the world. And in less than 300 years, those, those believers changed the world. And they didn't change the world just because they were good preachers. They didn't change the world. A part of it was because they had a, a message that was very powerful, but there was also a power that went with the message, that demonstrated the message. There was proclamation, there was demonstration. It was a package. And for some reason, we have tried our best to, to take the Holy Spirit out of and, and relegate Him, not it, him to the back and just invite him in every once in a while when we need a feel-good session. All right? I'm, I'm just going to be straight up today. I'm not going to... I may use my notes and I may not. Okay? What, I'm, what I, we've been talking about for the last 14 weeks are not church growth principles. Okay? You can learn those in seminary. All right? And if you're a good a manager or a good leader, you, you, can, you can cause some growth, but the kind of growth I'm talking about was sustained growth. It was new growth. Just like we talked about last week, most churches today in our culture, in the American culture, grow because of people transferring from one church to another. This growth here took place because people were getting saved. The lost were being plucked out of hell and, and they were being translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The churches were filling up. The houses were filling up with the people who were, had been lost yesterday but today were saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to send somebody who will help you. Now, when he said help, he, he meant someone who would be beside us and lead us, not someone who would be behind us, who we, 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 we kind of said, hey, will you come up and give me a feel-good you know, set of spiritual goosebumps every once in a while? No, he, he gave us a leader. He, Jesus uses a word. He says, I will send someone like me, another like me. And that word another in the Greek, there are two words for another. One means one thing, but this particular word means another who is just like me. In other words, I'm going to send my spirit. And he's going to lead you, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to grow my church. You remember what Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail? I will grow my church. I will establish my church. Well, the Holy Spirit, Jesus goes to heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is Jesus Spirit. That's what Scripture says. And so the power of God and the presence of God were active in this church. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. Listen, we can't do this if, 
even if we have good programs, even if you had a charismatic personality for a pastor, which you don't, all right? But even if you did, you can't do these principles. We can't do this on willpower. We can't do it on want to. Uh, it, 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 you just can't do it. It's the only way that it happens is when we, we, we are empowered by the, by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and we walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And if you and I are not walking in this power, we can't expect to see the results that they're seeing. But listen, if you'll just look at church history a little bit, you'll find that the church has tried to do that for 2,000 years almost. The first generation of believers, the second generation of believers, they got it. But somewhere after that, we lost it. And to be honest with you, we haven't reclaimed it yet. These individuals walked differently. Now, th these, these 120 of these guys walked with Jesus for three and a half years, okay? They, 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 they saw the power of God. They actually used the power of God. But it was Jesus' power that He loaned them. But when the Spirit of God came on Pentecost, they had the power of God living inside them. He not only rested on them, He rested in them. And all of a sudden, they began to use the power of God that was resident within them. And listen, folks, things changed. People don't die for a cause. Just for a cause. They, they don't die like these people died. Okay, All of the apostles except for John died violent deaths. Thousands upon thousands of these Christians were crucified. They were, they were fed to the wild beasts in the Colosseums. They were killed as gladiator fodder. You don't die for a belief. You die for something that lives within you. Jesus was alive in them. It wasn't just an idea. It was a truth. That was contained in them. These folks were changed after the day of Pentecost. But listen, they weren't perfect, okay? And I don't know why we think they still struggled with sin, but they walked at a level of power that most of us believe is possible, but have never walked in. And I'm not sure we really believe it's possible, okay? They walked at a level of power that the church likes to talk about, but is rarely willing to walk in. See, there's a fear within us. We, we, want, to, we want to explain away our lack of experience with all these great theologies that the Bible does not teach. The Bible just simply teaches that on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came. And listen, John did not have to turn to Peter and say, did you, did you get the Spirit? Did the Spirit of God fill you? No, he said, I'm not sure if it filled me. You didn't hear that language. There wasn't any doubt in their minds that something had happened. We have not changed. Okay? God has not changed. Jesus has not changed. Has he? Y'all tell me. Y'all tell me. Has the gospel changed? 
Okay, then what's the difference? What's the difference? Now, I've, I've, I've said this several times, but we, call, we chose to call this series Explosion for a reason. Because when an explosion occurs, a large amount of energy is released into a teeny, tiny, small volume of air in a very short time. It just There's so much energy there that that area cannot hold it. And when the Holy Spirit came, He was God's infinite energy. I want you to grasp that for a minute. It's, it, it blows my mind. But there, there wasn't just a little bit of God poured out in that room. God himself showed up in that room. And he filled all 120 of those believers. The infinite power of God. The same power, the same person who raised Jesus from the dead, squeezed himself into finite human beings. Now, that wasn't the only time that was supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen every time a person comes to Jesus Christ. It's their, it's their heritage. It's their inheritance. It's a part of the package. But I don't see that very often. Okay? You tell me, do you see that very often? I don't see people that lived at the level these people lived at. You say, well, Nelson, they didn't have nothing else. Well, listen, I haven't found anything that comes near what they did have. Okay? A good job just won't do this. Money won't buy this. A great family won't give you this. difference was the Holy Spirit. He was the catalyst. You know, you can pour gas on a fire all day, or excuse me, you can pour gas on a brush heap all day long, but until there is a spark, there's no explosion, there's no, there's no fire. And the Holy Spirit was the explosion, he was the catalyst, he was the spark. Jesus had poured his life into these guys. These guys were like Five-gallon gasoline cans full of gas, okay? There was gas just rolling out of them, but there was no spark. And Jesus says, I want you to wait, because I'm going to send the spark. And he sends the Spirit. And when that spark hit that gas, boom, boom, boom. And it wasn't a one-time event, Okay? If it was, we got shortchanged. Okay? We're 2,000 years removed from the, from the first explosion. He was the catalyst. And, and the interesting thing is this explosion that took place there on the day of Pentecost continued every day after. It continues all the way through the book of Acts. At least 30 or 40 years. It continues all the way through the first century. It continues well into the second century. But most of us don't seem to experience the kind of power that they experienced. We don't seem to have the bang that they got. Why is that? Why is that? Y'all ever ask that question? I cause this question keeps me awake at night. It may not bother you at all. You may be cool with it and everything, but this is the place where I have been for years. Why, God? Why, God? I am convinced. Listen, I am fully convinced that God has not changed. 
Not one iota. He has not changed. I'm convinced that the Bible hasn't changed. I'm convinced that Jesus hasn't changed. And I'm convinced the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. So the problem has to rest with me. The reason I'm not seeing it in my life, I can't speak for you, but the reason I'm not seeing it in my life like they were seeing it in theirs, then there's a problem with me. I believe that most of us have accepted a belief system based on our lack of experience. You know, when things stop happening, theologians explain it. And rarely do they explain it and put the credit where the credit's due. The credit's always due on the humans. Okay? They're, they're, because God never changes. God never acts differently. God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He, he, he is, he's, he, 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 if he changes, he ceases to be God. Because if he has to change, then it means he wasn't 100% correct. You understand what I'm saying? So he can't change. So the issue is us. So I want to just, I'm just going to share some passages this morning, make some comments. My job is not to convince you. All right? My job is to present the case. It's the Holy Spirit's job to, to say that's truth, and then it's our job to believe the truth. If we believe the truth and we begin to live out the truth, then we will experience the truth. If we're satisfied where we're at, we're satisfied with how things are going, we like going through the motions, then we won't believe the truth and we'll stay just like we are. That's just life, okay? Y'all with me? Okay, everybody stretch a little bit because I'm going I'm to hit this hard and we're going to get out of here. Now, everybody understands this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on a person. In other words, He would rest on a person and empower that person uh, for a period of time, usually to do God's work. Uh, prophets, the Spirit of God would rest on them. The judges, if you read in the book of Judges, you will see the power of God resting on those individuals for, for certain amounts of time. And they do this great exploit. And then, then the Spirit of God would lift we see it happening on kings. King David prays uh, after he, he commits his sin with Bathsheba in Psalms 51. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Because you know why? Because he remembered uh, how the Holy Spirit left Saul and came on David. He remembered that. And he didn't want that to happen in his life. And so in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, he only came. But it was God's desire to put the Holy Spirit within. In people. That was always his desire. So that, that those people could fully obey him. Listen, if you think you can do what God says and obey him 100% of the time, you have never read the Old Testament. Alright? They couldn't do it. God knew they couldn't do it. He never intended for us to keep the law. The law was just to show us what sin is. It was never to save us. God's desire was to put His Spirit within us. And that Spirit then would show us what God wanted. And so God begins to make promises in the Old Testament. And some of these promises are so rich. 
They are so rich. We're not aware of a lot of them, but in 835 B.C., Joel, the prophet Joel, makes a prophecy. He says this in in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. He says, And it will come to pass after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, all humanity. That's, That's what the word means. On all humanity. He, he doesn't say, I'm just going to pour my spirit on the prophets, the priests, and the kings. He says, I'm going to pour my spirit out on everybody. Remember what all means? All. That's what it means in the Greek. All. That's what it means in the Hebrew. All. And then he, then he qualifies it. He says, I'm going to pour out my, my spirit on your sons and your daughters, and they'll prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions, and even on the male and the female servants, on the slaves, on the, on the lowest rung of society, I'm going to pour my spirit out. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so this prophecy is, is reverberating through the nation of Israel. And, and, and there were a few that kept it in mind, but all of a sudden, this, spirit, this, this prophecy comes true. And Peter recognizes it. On, that, on the day of Pentecost, this took place. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And He's poured out on men and women. He's poured out on young and old. He's pour, poured out on regardless of their class. And Peter recognizes it. And he quotes in, in Acts chapter 2, he quotes this very verse in his sermon just at minutes after the Holy Spirit has come. And he explains what has just occurred, why this explosion has taken place. But... Joel is not the only prophet who talks about this. Isaiah talks about it. The prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 44 verse 3. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land. Now we need to listen to me for just a moment. When you see that kind of language, God's not talking about pouring out literal water always on parched land. Sometimes he is. But more often than not, what he's doing is he's speaking in a, in a way that, that, that the Jewish called parallelism. He would say it one way, and then he would say it another. You see this all through the Psalms. You see it here. Literally, when, when it says, for I will pour out water on thirsty land, literally it says, on him or her who is thirsty. If you're not thirsty... Guess what? You don't need it. You don't want it. It runs off. And so he says, I will pour out water on a thirst on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. So he's not just going to sprinkle a little dabble do you here. Okay? He's he's talking about it's an endless supply. It's it's infinite. He's just going to pour. It's I mean y'all have ever poured water out of a bucket. It just, it just rolls out. And if you pour it in a little glass, it just rolls over the edges. And, and that's what the picture is here. He says, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And not only will my spirit be poured out on, but also my blessing on your offspring. My spirit and my blessing are, guess what? So if we're not operating in the spirit, we're not operating in what? God's blessings. 
So this is what Isaiah said. Ezekiel, who by the way, I don't know if you like Ezekiel. I like Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a strange guy. I can I can identify with Ezekiel. God asked Ezekiel and Isaiah to do some strange things. Can you imagine laying naked? I even hate to go here, okay? But can you imagine laying naked on your left side with a with a uh, a little uh, building built out of dirt and rock, and then laying that way for 365 days, and then God says, "Okay, I want you to get up, dust yourself off, and I want you to lay on your right side another 365." Okay, when people walked by Ezekiel, they went. I mean, they did. Here's what Ezekiel says. He says, and I will, in, in Ezekiel 36, 27, he says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Which means if I don't have his spirit in me, I'm not going to be able to walk in his statutes perfectly completely, maturely. He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. These two, these promises that Isaiah gives us and and these promises that that, uh, uh, Ezekiel gives us and the promise that we see in Joel, they're twofold, okay? The Holy Spirit will be poured out and He will be placed within. His presence and His power. And the result is, you know what's going to happen is, whomever the Spirit of God is poured out on and who who the Holy Spirit resides in are going to be different. They're going to have a different kind of capacity. And they're going to have a different kind of desire to obey God. Now, we don't often think about this, but John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet in a long line of prophets who talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said John was the greatest one. Now when you, you start thinking about great prophets, man, you've got Elijah, you've got Elisha. I mean, these guys were miracle workers. John never did a miracle as far as we know. But Jesus says he's the greatest one. And John utters a a prophecy, a key one, that was was a key prophecy for recognizing the Holy Spirit. I mean, for recognizing the work of the Messiah. And, And it was him, it was he who declared Jesus to be the Messiah. He said, there's the there's the Lamb of God, right there. Now you got this 30 year old strapping carpenter. Walking down through there. And John goes, that's him right there. That's him. Then he says this. And we find this passage in all four of the Gospels. Now I learned this early on. If God says it one time, we're supposed to do it, right? Let me ask that again. (laughs) If God says it one time, we're supposed to do it. He says it more than one time. It must really be important. The Gospels, three of them typically share the same information. John's Gospel is a little different. But we find this account in all four of them, which tells me God really wants us to pay attention to this. There's something here. And this is what John says. They'd ask him, John, are you the Messiah? 
And he said, no. In Matthew 3.11, he says, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. I'm using water. And it's a, it's a baptism of repentance from your sins uh, to, 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 to holiness. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to turn back, come back to God. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I am. And I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. And then he says this, and he will baptize you with, the little preposition there can be with, in, or by. Okay? Mr. Nelson, what's the big deal? I don't care how you slice it, how you cut it, how you dice it. It says what it says here. He, will, he Jesus, the Messiah, will baptize you. He will plunge you. He will pour out in overwhelming amounts. He will plunge you into. He will submerge those who follow Him with the Holy Spirit. And not just with the Holy Spirit. There's an and there. And fire. Which means those two things are connected. Holy Spirit and fire. Listen, I've read the commentators, they, they don't know what to do with fire. So they put something else, like judgment or whatever. Jesus, John's not talking about judgment. He's talking about power here. Fire in, in the Old Testament is a symbolic, and in the New Testament as well, is symbolic of power. And so he's talking about here that he's going to baptize you with presence the Holy Spirit, and He's going to baptize you with fire, the power. You're not just going to get half the Holy Spirit. Okay? You're supposed to get all of Him. When He comes, He brings His power with Him. Whenever the presence of God manifests itself in a person or a place or in a service, the power of God's presence. He never leaves it at home. All right, He doesn't have to get a suitcase or a toolbox that's marked power and bring it with Him. When He shows up, He comes complete. And that's what John's saying. He says, John's gonna, Jesus is going to baptize. He's going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit and in fire, in His power and in His presence. And it's not just the, simply the presence of the Spirit. It's also the power. So we don't get half the Spirit. We're supposed to get all of the Spirit. You know, I, I was taught and, and by, by godly people, okay? And so I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at them at all. But I was basically taught you get all of it when you come to Jesus. And that may be true in some instances. And it may not, okay? You say, well, Nelson, what about that? Just hang on with me and I'll get there in a minute, okay? I'm not questioning salvation. All right, just give me a second. Jesus expands on this teaching about the Holy Spirit. Listen, they didn't know much more about the Holy Spirit than we do. Because the Holy Spirit is revealed a little bit at a time throughout the Old Testament. We ought to know a lot more about Him because we've got the complete revelation. But Jesus expands on this teaching of the Holy Spirit, on the, on the coming of the Holy Spirit. He tells His disciples that when He goes, He will send them another helper, one who is just like Him. And that helper will come alongside of them and He will help them. You can read that in John 14, 16. This helper will be the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, He will teach them and He will equip them to do ministry. It's the same thing. He's not just talking to those 12 guys that were following. He's talking to us. 
Okay? So He's going to send His Holy Spirit to help us. And He's going to send, this helper is going to teach us how to teach and He's going to equip us to do ministry. And this Holy Spirit, according to, to John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27, this Holy Spirit will be the witness of Jesus enabling us to be witnesses. You know why most of us don't share Jesus? Because we won't let the Holy Spirit loose. I'm afraid. I'm scared. That they'll, they'll reject me. I'm, a, I'm afraid they won't listen to me. I'm afraid. Here's the worst excuse I've ever heard. And if you've used this, I'm sorry. I just don't know what to say. I don't know all the verses. That excuse is good for one time. All right? One time. The reason we don't share Jesus is because we won't let the Holy Spirit do what He was given to us to do. All we have to do is this. If we'll open our mouth, He will flow. He will flow. That is if He's there. Okay? Now, according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to guide us by speaking to every one of us. You and I, if you know Jesus Christ, you can hear the Holy Spirit. And he, He's going he's to show us exactly what to do. He's going to reveal to us what we need to obey that Jesus has given us to do. That's what Jesus said in John 16, verse 13 and 15. And then Jesus, right before He ascends into heaven, right, right the, one of the very last things He says, and, and one of the things I've learned is that people's last words are very, very important. That's why people... Lean in and strain to hear uh, when a loved one passes away, what that last thing they say. Or, or that's why we gather as families around our, our loved ones uh, when they're about to die, because we want to make sure we hear what they have to say. This is what Jesus said. He says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which, and this is Jesus speaking, you have heard from me, for John baptized you with water. You remember that prophecy a few minutes ago? John says, I'm baptizing you with water, the water of repentance. But there's another one coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Listen to what Jesus says. John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In fact, not but about 10 days from now. It's Acts 1, 4, and 5. He tells his disciples then what the result of that baptism is going to be. He says this in just three or four verses later in Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even unto the remotest part of the earth. And you know what happens? Ten days later, Jesus keeps His promise. You know why He keeps His promise? Because they were obedient. They went, they gathered themselves together, and they began to pray. You know what they were praying for? The promise. They understood the prophets. They were willing to, to stay. They were willing to, 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 to travail. They were willing to grab hold of God until God honored the promise. Jesus said, hey, it's not going to be long now. I'm going to send him. 
Now, I don't know if they thought in their mind, well, I wonder how long it'll take Jesus to get to heaven. I don't know if that's the case, but they knew it was going to be pretty quick. And so for 10 days they pray. And then all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, that baptism with the Spirit and with fire comes. L listen to it. Just, just pretend you've never heard these verses before. And see if this is not what Joel was talking about, what Isaiah was talking about, what Ezekiel was talking about, what John was talking about, even what Jesus was talking about. This is what Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and four, through 4 says. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, I like that. And so that's how God works. I don't know if you know this or not. He works suddenly. And suddenly, there came from heaven a noise. See, they, they couldn't see it yet, but they could hear it. How many of you ever heard the wind blowing and you knew it wasn't good? Okay, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a sound when I hear it, it's time to go to the bathroom. We don't have a storm pit, okay? I grew up in a storm pit. I'm, I really don't like storm pits. But we go to the inner place there in the bathtub and we gather whatever we gather and we, we get in. When that wind gets to a certain level and I hear it, they heard something they never heard before. And from heaven, a noise like a violent rushing wind. It wasn't just... It was probably multiplied times a million. A rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were at, where they were sitting. And then there appeared over them, to them, tongues of fire, as of, uh, tongues of, uh, as of fire distributing themselves. In other words, all of a sudden this fire appears and it begins to split off. And it begins to rest over each one of those people. I mean, it got bright in there. There was 120 people crammed in that little room. And they're on fire now. You say, Nelson, you have a sanctified imagination. No, I'm just reading the text. There's 120 people with a flame over their head. Okay? It's getting warm in there. It's bright in there. And so this fire begins to distribute themselves. And it rests and it sat on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. And as the Spirit was giving them utterance, or giving them the ability to speak out. And so, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes. And that little room blows up. And those 120 followers of Jesus are never the same again. Okay, I, I don't know if y'all understand how hard it is for something to become popular. Okay, I know now we have, we, have, uh, we have Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff, but it's still, there are a bazillion things that never become popular. They didn't have Facebook. They heard word of mouth. And they had a message that was so powerful. They had a, a declaration and they had a, a demonstration that was so powerful that nothing could stop it. Not even death. Listen, folks, I, I don't know whether you realize it or this, they died by the thousands at certain periods 
in the history of the church. By the thousands. But listen, the harder they tried to kill it, the more the seed spread. When I, 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 like, I bush hog. Uh, I, it, it, gives, it brings me great peace to get on my tractor and just ride. Okay? Great peace. And I, I, I got some fields that, that I, just, I just bush hog them. I cut them. And in these fields, it's mostly grass and sage grass and weeds. But every, I've got a couple of places that, that, that have this nettle that comes up. Okay? And if I let it go, it, it blooms and it, the little seeds just do this. And it comes up everywhere. They were like that nettle. It, 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 no matter how... I, I've sprayed this stuff. I've, I've, I've got a special mixture, a homemade mixture of, of weed killer. It kills everything. And it still keeps coming up. It, it might move three inches over here, might move over there. It, that's like the early church. You couldn't kill them. You couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't crucify enough of them. You couldn't feed enough of them to lions. You, you could not kill it. It would not die. You know why? Because you can't put the fire of God out. It doesn't need any fuel to burn. Wildfire burns, it needs fuel. God's fire doesn't. And so these individuals begin to spread out. And, 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 and they begin, this explosion took them out. And you know what? Nobody in that room that day wondered, did it happen to me? It happened. It happened just like Jesus promised, just like John and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Joel prophesied. Not one of them was asking another and secretly wondering, did the Holy Spirit fill me? Did He baptize me? Did I get all I was supposed to get? Every last one of them knew when it happened. And they knew what had happened. They experienced it, okay? I, I realize that we believe by faith, okay? And we, we ask by faith. But they all experienced it in their bodies. In their soul and in their spirit. Yes, faith is an important part of it. But also there has to have something happen. Or I can faith myself into believing that it did when it didn't. And then my life has no testimony. And then there's a problem. I have to come up with theology to explain why there's nothing happening. And folks, that's where we're at. Most theologians and most church leaders want to argue that instead of what took place was the coming of Spirit, they want to argue that this is the, the birth of the church. Okay? It, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. I don't know. Jesus knows. But one thing I do know is these first believers got the same person and the same power that Jesus had. When they came out of that room, they were different. And they had the same access to the ministry and this power that, that had raised Jesus from the dead, it was flowing in them and through them. If Jesus has to baptize these believers so that they can do the work of the ministry and take the witness of Jesus to the nations, don't you think we need the same power? Yeah, I guess. I guess. These people apprenticed with Jesus. They knew what to do. They knew how to do it. They just didn't have the capability without the Holy Spirit. None of us have seen Jesus. 
We've had examples of Jesus and have been taught by men and women who, who were a lot like Jesus, but they weren't Jesus. And we're still not doing it. Y'all understand where I'm at? The frustration. I think we're missing something. Listen, if you don't have the power, you can't do the work. And this baptism, this, this feeling, if, you, if, you, if you're a little antsy about baptism, then this feeling is the heritage of every believer. It belongs to every one of us who know Jesus. Listen, I'm not questioning anybody's salvation today, okay? I want you to, understand, I want you to hear me right now. Romans 10.9 is very clear. If you confess with your mouth as Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen. That's, 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 that's about as plain a place in the New Testament about being born again. I'm not questioning whether or not you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you are saved, if you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Paul says uh, a little later, he says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you don't belong to Jesus. Alright? So there is an indwelling of the Spirit that happens immediately. All right, it happens. The scriptures teach it. That, that indwelling comes at the moment you're born again. The Holy Spirit is the seal that signifies that God will complete what He started in us. He, he's the wedding ring that Jesus puts on our finger that says, you know what, the work I have begun in you, I will complete. That's what 2 Corinthians one twenty two says. Who, he's talking about the Holy Spirit who also sealed us and gave us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So, Please, please, please hear me this morning. I'm not questioning whether or not you belong to Jesus or if the presence of the Holy Spirit lives within you. Here's what I'm questioning. Where is the power? Where's the power? If I'm looking, you remember that old commercial, where's the meat? All I got to do is open my bun up and see if there's any hamburger meat there and I know where the meat is. You know what? I'm just saying open yourself up. Where's the power? Where's the power of the living God? Are you experiencing the presence and the power in your life? Or are you living a willpower-fueled Christianity? Are you walking in resurrection power? Have you experienced that, that baptism, that filling of the Holy Spirit Jesus promised? He promised He would baptize His followers with the Holy Spirit and with power. He promised presence and power. Okay? Presence and power. Without this baptism... That Jesus talks about. And listen to me. Jesus is the, the one who baptizes. I'm not talking. I'm not using the phrase that's very common. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the baptism in the Spirit. That's what scripture talks about here. Jesus is the baptizer. And he says. Without this baptism by Jesus. In the Holy Spirit. You and I can't do anything. Apart from me. You can do nothing. We can't live out the principles. We can't do it no matter how well they work or even if they're the promises of God. If I don't have the power source within me, I can't access that next level where I begin to actually walk them out. Listen, those first believers received the presence and the power. And the Holy Spirit enabled them and He empowered them to walk out the principles we've talked about for the last 14 Sundays. But listen, if the catalyst 
if the Holy Spirit is not present in the power, with His power, then no explosion takes place. Nothing happens. So listen, the key to this blueprint that we've talked about is not the principles. The key is the Holy Spirit. He's the key. The prophets foretold His coming. Jesus promised He would baptize us with the Spirit. And the last thing He shared his, with His disciples, the last word He says before He sends is this in Acts 1.8. He said, but you shall, receive, you shall receive power. He didn't say you might receive power. He said you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Again, my question this morning is, where is the power? For neither the promise of the Holy Spirit or the promised Holy Spirit has been withdrawn. God has not changed His mind. He, did, he didn't say, okay, I'm going to yo-yo you down on Pentecost Sunday, and then when you've done your business, I'm going to yo-yo you back up. He didn't do that. It was like a baseball. He threw it. And wherever it landed, it stayed. He hasn't left, folks. And He's not going to leave. God hadn't withdrawn His Spirit. The only place the Spirit is withdrawn is where men and women no longer want Him. Like the first Christians did. That's the only place. If they're happy to do ministry on their own power, then you know what? God allows that to happen. I'm just not satisfied with my power anymore. Okay? I, I, I believe there's more. Okay? I'm going after more. Okay? I'm, I'm going to keep preaching this <laughs> until I die. Or until this church catches fire and you start preaching it. Okay? That, I'm just telling you where I'm at. All roads are going to lead back to here because this is the this is the what well, we need the gospel of Jesus to get people saved. Okay, we need this the the message of Jesus, the gospel. That's how people get saved. But to transform them into disciples of Jesus who share the the message of the gospel of Jesus again, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send somebody like me. That tells me I can't do it on my own. That tells me we can't do it on our own. We need the Spirit of God. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.